Welcome to The Wind Down, an afternoon podcast where two techie blokes sit down over a bowl of wine and chat about what's happening in the world of tech. Enjoy while Scott and Nick open up about their week in technology. Good afternoon and welcome to The Wind Down. My name's Nick Bojard and with me I've got... Scott. Hello, Scott. How are you? <laughs> Hello, Nick. Long time no see. Absolutely, absolutely. Where are we? What alcohol are we talking about today? Ah, yeah, interesting. We are again in the DY Hotel because it's just very easy for us to get here and to set up. Uh, but look, alcohol-wise, um, I wanted to talk about something that isn't today. Okay, what isn't today? Clean skins. Okay, clean, what are clean skins? Okay, so let's think about you're, you're a, um, a wine producer and you're up there, you've got your bottles, you've labelled them, you've filled them up, you've done the whole process, and at the end you've got bits and pieces of, you know, here's a half a vat of wine, here's some, um, some other stuff, here's some other grapes we've got from over here, and all these leftovers. You'll find that people will just go and grab all that and blend something, put it in a bottle, but because it's not specifically what that brand normally produces... They can actually just go and put it on a bottle and say, look, it's from this area, it's from this year, go for it, it's cheap, just use it. And they actually get a little bit of revenue out of all the leftovers and the other bits and pieces. Mm -hmm. Um, You can also find out that if, for example, you overproduce uh, your wine in a year, and you may want to maintain that, look, it's actually normally in short supply, therefore the price is high. Uh, Oh, we made like 1.5 times as much this year. If we pump the market with that much, it's actually going to drive the price down, it's not going to be effective. We're just going to take that last little bit and put it into some unmarked bottles and just spit it out there at whatever price. Calling it clean skins. Calling it clean skins. Okay, so non-branded wine that sometimes is as good as really nice wine and sometimes isn't. In some cases, it actually is really nice wine. Cool. And Um, you can't tell which is which? No. You can generally get an idea, but the the producers have started putting on the boxes, like it's from this area or this state in this year. Um, During the wine glut many years ago, this would have been 2008, four, five or so, um, we couldn't actually send a lot of wine out of Australia. The, the commercials just weren't there. There was too much wine globally and our <laughs> natural um, international buyers weren't buying it. You go and find all sorts of things down your local bottle shop and I picked up a case of this uh, uh, clean skin wine, $3 a bottle. It was absolutely beautiful. Awesome. Anyway. Awesome. Very cool. It's one of the best wine I've had. Cool. There you go. We are going to continue talking about Wi-Fi today. Oh, podcast, Wi-Fi. That's right. Two of three. <laughs> podcast um, two of so three. Last time we were sitting down, we talked about you know what is Wi-Fi, what are different speeds, etc., etc., etc. Today we're going to talk about deployment, right? Deployment about getting your Wi-Fi to work for you rather than against you. Okay, so Wi-Fi is pretty ubiquitous, right? It's you. You need it everywhere. I've got it at yes. home. Got it at work. Yeah. Got it in the doctor's surgery. You need Wi-Fi. The supermarket's got it. Everybody's got it. You need good Wi-Fi, right? You need good Wi-Fi. What's good Wi-Fi? <laughs> In theory, let's just say good Wi-Fi is something that makes you not think about good Wi-Fi. It just works. It's it fast, just, it it's just quick, works. It just works. It just okay. works. And don't use supermarket Wi-Fi. But we'll come back to that. Okay, we can talk about security maybe in another podcast episode, Ooh, Scott. Yes, there's a good look, look at how we doing well. All right, so, so Wi-Fi is really prevalent. We need good Wi-Fi. Good Wi-Fi is Wi-Fi we don't notice. Yes. So what affects performance of Wi-Fi and people I'm sure people are going out buying decent equipment because mm. if you don't buy decent equipment don't expect good Wi-Fi but what else affects it so well, I'll start by saying it's hard to not buy decent equipment these days yeah the, the access points they're, they're so far along you, in you, the progression you've not heard of wish.com yeah 
<laughs> Look, if, if you go and buy a TV today, you don't expect it to last three months and fail. No, no, you, no. You generally think that thing's going to sit on that wall for 10 years and I'm never going to put like a fridge or a whatever. It's, it's yep. the manufacturing is at that level where these things just work. So, so what should someone, someone's thinking I'm going to roll out Wi-Fi in my building for my staff and my visitors. Yes. What do you need to think about? What do you need to look okay. at? So Wi-Fi is a connection between your device, a phone or a laptop whatever, and an access point. It's through the air. And if you've got direct line of sight and it's close by, it's going to be really good. Okay, so we've got to remember, it's not just like TV, where no. there's one big transmitter that's really looked after and your yes. TV just picks it up. Your device is transmitting and the access point is receiving and the access point's transmitting and your device is receiving. And they're all slightly different electronics yeah. trying to fit a standard, trying to broadcast data across the air. So... So lots can impact that, right? It, it can. It, it, it basically works at all. Well, think, think about your TV. Why is there an aerial on the roof? Oh, so I've got line of sight to the... Well, you're, well so you've got a... It's, it's line of sight or it's you've got a device or being like a, a, a couple of bits of metal sticking out in the open, picking up a signal that is in the open air, not yep. really affected by other things in the surroundings. If that And because of that's a very low-speed signal in that respect that signal coming in when it once it hits walls or glass or whatever, it's going to start reflecting yep and your tv is stuck on a wall behind three bits of concrete or whatever so yeah, yeah so it, so the, yeah the tv uh, internal antennas don't work so that's right so things that affect performance look out for walls walls glass, glass metal, metal yeah, yep heritage buildings with yeah. all sorts of rubbish yeah. in them heritage buildings are interesting because they are not just brick they are big concrete or big um, stone blocks and there's metal cases. in them there's big iron girders there and all sorts. now i will say that's heritage buildings here in australia where we don't have a lot of heritage heritage buildings in the uk yes. are very different but where i grew up all the buildings were made out of granite and our walls at home were about three and a half foot thick mm. that doesn't let much wi-fi through no, not very well, at least, anyway. Not a good experience. <laughs> yeah. And, and this is why when you actually deploy Wi-Fi, you have to think about where am I actually putting these access points. If you're putting an access point down one end of your house and then you're actually sitting down the other end through a few walls, a door, some stairs, a bit of concrete levelling and all that, and you're finding, dude, the signal's bad down here. This is a crappy access point. Blah, blah, blah. No, it's a good access point. You haven't installed it correctly. Okay, so, so we've talked about walls and installation but talk to me about signal quality versus signal strength because they're they're different things right i can have yes. a really strong signal but if my access point is on top of the microwave like, like we mentioned in the yes. last podcast that's exactly. going to affect it right um, so the quality will be rubbish and, and look this is the same problem with phones as well mm -hmm. uh, you'll find i'm somewhere i've got five bars on my phone yet i can't get anything done and this is the thing about the tower could be quite happily transmitting a signal out or your access point could be transmitting a signal out but your device can't get a signal back at any respectable level okay so so i've got so that's signal strength how strong the signal is yeah. but, but then i've got quality so yes. uh, my understanding is if there's an error in the data yes. you'll request for it to be resent and if you keep retrying all of that it's going to either really slow things down or if you're running a protocol that just error like, correction Maybe you're running a game or you're doing a voice call. It's just rubbish. It, it, it is. And you've, you've got to fix these issues. And they're, not, they're fairly easy to address. Okay, cool. Distance between you and the access point is obviously one, you know. There are limitations. The further away you get from the access point, 
the signal gets worse exponentially because yes. it's the inverse square law of electromagnetic radiation. Look at me go. Um, Alternatively, <laughs> stay close. Yes, yeah, stay, stay close. Um, so, so this obviously doesn't happen to mobile phones, 4G and 5G, does it? Oh, oh, this is exactly what happens to mobile phones. Um, the, there is no difference in concept between a phone with 4G or a 5G signal and a, an access point in a pair of a laptop. So, so those antennas we see around are just access points, right, for 4G, 5G. I know there's some difference. Yeah, there's, there's some difference. But yes, in fact, this is why 4G works so well, yep. and 5G's got a lot of issues. Okay. 5G is actually, think about 5G is like Ado 211A. It's a faster speed, it's addressed a lot of things, but you've got to be closer, and you've got to have good characteristics going back to the tower, which uh, means okay. all of a sudden 5G is putting little micro towers everywhere. Yes, uh, and I know Just that for this because reason. I'm sitting in the Dewa Hotel, I have 5G, which is the one location in Sydney where it perhaps works on Vodafone. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so, so where do I store the access point? Do I put it under my desk? Do I put it under a wall? Do I put it okay. in a metal filing let, cabinet that I've me, earthed? So let me tell you, where, where I put my access points, yeah. I turn them upside down and I put them on the roof as a starting point. Right. Now, there's, with access points, and this isn't common with the, um, com, uh, the consumer brands, you can actually get um, documentation on radiation patterns. What this is, is it says, this is the sort of distance and what to expect out of this access point. It means I can go like 10 metres that way and get a good signal. I can go uh, 20 metres that way, but if I go 5 metres that way, I'm out of range. So it's like this microphone, right? If I yes. talk like this, you can't hear me. But that's if right. I talk like this, you can and, and hear That's me. exactly what it is. And most access points, we, we have a thing called omnidirectional, means they'll, they'll cover a general broad not in a particular point-to-point -point direction, but they'll go right around in, you know, in most most places in front of the access point. But it's not a sphere of coverage, no, right? No, it's normally a... Um, think of it as a sphere, you know, or more of a, a, a semicircle. A semisphere? A semisphere? <laughs> yes. Yeah, okay. <laughs> think of it as a semisphere in front of the access point. Get your access point, the base, which could actually be a metal base plate, put it on the ground, and think about a semisphere sitting on top of it. That's your coverage area, but it goes out, you know, for example, 10, 15 metres, whatever it is. Right. Okay, so now, coverage matters. However, yep. the back plate of most access points is metal. Don't try to get a good signal when the access point is facing away from you. Right. That's why it's the semi-sphere. That's right. why. And this is why you put them on the roof facing, facing down. down, such that the signal covers the broad area where people are, and you don't stick them inversed up on the roof, on top of a roof tile, facing that, that the ceiling. That would be good for the, the, the birds. Well, it's good for the people on the ceiling <laughs> above once you actually get the signal through the slab. Yeah, um, okay. So there's lots of things like that. Also, don't stick them in between areas. Like, on a, don't stick it on a bookshelf and then put metal objects on top of it. Right. Don't stick it in a rack and put a router and sit it on top of a switch and then put a router on top of it. And then have your microwave on top of that. Don't, yes, don't do that, that. that. That's right. I mean, this is why things don't work. There's some really obvious parts to this and yep. then there's some non-obvious parts. Sure. So we talked about that. We've talked about... You know, there's there's other types, though. You've, you talk about the access point I yes. have with this sphere. But there's things which have... Yeah, you know, They're almost directional. They're almost point-to-point. -point. They actually are point-to-point. -point. There you go. So if you think about your average access point, you can pick up for $100 down at the corner electronic store. Yeah, that's, you put it in, you put it on a table, and you can probably pick up a good signal with that. That's omnidirectional. It picks up anybody in the room. Yep. Point-to-point... I can actually get uh, access points, uh, transmitters and receivers, access points, uh, that will go a long way in one particular direction, but they don't go very wide, they don't go very high. Okay. Think of it like a laser, but it's not a laser, it's 
spectrum. Uh, yeah. But you're literally pointing it off into the distance, and at the other end, you've got another one pointing back to you. But you can get like 30 kilometres out of a 802 point. Uh, uh, 2.4 gigahertz um, and, and that's range. how some people have created community mesh networks is yes. by connecting them using exactly yuggy out, out, exactly. aerials and but stuff. if you're five meters to the side of it don't expect to pick up anything but also along that 30 kilometers you won't be getting coverage right um, if you're you, down in the ground that, and it's up that, there. that's right and then you actually start to look at issues around well if i'm in that area and someone else goes this way across my signal what happens yeah no good okay. point so there's, there's issues but let's not get into that but in most people in, in a house if you've yep. got an access point you can see it or maybe there's only one wall or it's a it's not a big thick concrete wall it could just be a, a, a plaster wall with no insulation you'll, be, you'll probably be okay okay but in most houses, I'd say, most decently sized houses, you're going to need more than one access you, point. You, you will. And look, um, I've seen uh, buildings and houses that have actually gone environmentally friendly by putting things like reflective glass uh, in, or yeah, that's, glass that's, with the reflective coating. That's going to break lots of things. It's great. It reflects the heat. It also reflects the Wi-Fi signal. Now, um, now building an access point in a room, say yes. in business or at home, is totally different to, and we mentioned this in the last one, a stadium, which is different to a bar or a hospitality oh, yes. venue, right? Yes. Talk to me about these a little bit, because I, I get that the room I might have between one and six people in my family on one access point. Is what it yes, is. and it, that's going to be that. Um, in my case, for example, uh, in my house, I've got two access points, one upstairs, one downstairs, and yep. they generally cover the areas pretty well. I know that as soon as I get out to my drive, I start to lose signal. Yeah, but that, that's okay. I don't really spend much time sitting on my drive with my, with my laptop. Okay, that's good. Um, that's good. It's nice to know. I'm, I'm learn, <laughs> learning stuff about you, Scott. Um, <laughs> but in um, a stadium access point, I have nothing most of the time, and then I've got eighty thousand people for yeah, two so hours. So your stadium access points are not ones that are hitting interference so much. It's not as if there's big brick, thick brick walls between. Oh people. no, that's big and open. Yep. Okay, so they've actually got access points out in the open, but all of a sudden. There's all these people now. It used to be that yeah, you'd have 80,000 people there and maybe 1,000 of them have actually got a Wi-Fi device, like a laptop or a whatever. Yeah, all of them have now, got one. Now everybody's got a phone. Somebody look at two phones and they all want the free Wi-Fi. So, but not just free Wi-Fi. People also want 4G and 5G to work in yes. that massive concentration. Ever wondered why your phone calls don't work? Oh, I know why my phone calls don't work. Too many people. <laughs> too many people. Um, okay. Actually, a little, very quick segue. Many years ago, um, we actually... Uh, got a phone from three at the time when three was a, a network here they said hey video calling we do video calling okay so I thought, that's pretty cool let's try this out it it, it actually worked it worked really well uh, unfortunately it was like yeah seven dollars a minute or something so it wasn't commercially Ow. viable <laughs> um but three at the time we're actually going um we will give you up to 14 megabits per second of capacity to your phone i think 14 meg on a phone. Yeah, previously, we were just getting SMSs. 9.6K I got over my Nokia. <laughs> I remember yes. that. So the problem was, yes, that you, could actually, you could actually get 14 meg of capacity from your phone to the base station if you were in the right place. Yes. What they didn't say, however, a very smart or not marketing person came out and said, this has been so popular, we've had to install a second E1 link into our base stations. <laughs> Now, for those of you who don't know, an E1 link, which is the backhaul, the connection from the base station back into the network, runs at about 1.5 megabits per second. Yeah. So, yes, I can get 14 meg to the tower. Unfortunately, the tower's only got 1.5 meg back, which it then shares between everybody that's everybody got connected to. Which could and, be and the other thing you people. didn't mention was how woeful batteries were back then. I had oh, one yes. of the early three phones, and oh. I went, this is brilliant. I watched TV on the train for the 15 minutes before my battery ran out. <laughs> I used to carry one of those batteries on a phone. <laughs> anyway, cool. Um, anyway, we move okay. on. So, so um, 
Good Wi-Fi. Good Wi-Fi. Suits most businesses. Yes. Fairly easy to install. But first, yep. your standard access points that you get, your room access points, which are, look, you just get a general access point, you put it in the room, it works. Yep. Your stadium access points are a very extreme version of that with multiple antennas able to yep. support multiple connections at the same time and they could in theory support up to 500 users in theory uh, what's also coming out is that if you think about in hotels all of a sudden you've got a 1000 room hotel and you've got an access point somewhere in the hotel or mm-hmm. on, on each floor or a couple of ends of each floor but you've now got in between the hotels all these rooms all those uh, walls in between each room and these aren't just like a bit of plaster these are actually thick plaster with soundproofing and all sorts of other things and yep it all affects the signal to the point where you can't really get signals so you can actually now get small hospitality ap's where they actually put one in each room cool and they're very low range those in they work really well in the room the walls tend to filter out most of the signal so they don't go elsewhere but you still get a really strong signal cool so they're really good excellent okay so if you've got a problem add an access point in general well that's <laughs> that's the easiest way uh look the, the most cost effective way to get good uh, good uh, wi-fi is put an access point in wherever you think it's going to cover the most of the house uh, or the building or the office whatever it is if you've got some weak areas hey, put a second access point in but if you if you want to plan this properly yes do a site survey right yeah so there, there is actually a thing called a site survey where an engineer will go out with a laptop and actually take wi-fi measurements at various points on an office floor and produce a heat map heat maps is um, something where it says if i put my access point here this is the strength of the signal in all these locations and you can sort of move that around to the point where you actually get a really strong coverage everywhere um, okay. But it costs. Cool. So I've got these access points. How do I connect them to the network? Ah. So you get a choice here. You've, you know, clearly, you've got to either cable them in, you plug a cable in to connect them, or you can put a bit of fibre into them in some cases to yep. connect them. And you'd use fibre if your access point was more than 100 metres away from your switch because generally Ethernet cables only goes... 127 metres, I think, is the... Um, I thought it was, a, it was 100. Maybe I'm talking a uh, 10 base 2. Oh, oh, the coax? Yes. Oh, yes. You, you, you are, and, and the punch cards can only be so thick as well. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> um, the little monkeys need so many bananas now to carry the punch cards back and forth. Yeah, yes. See how long it is since I did network. There you go. Cat5, Cat6 cabling, 100 metres. Um, and, uh, but if you go beyond that, you are really, you're going to lose the signal on, on the copper cable, so you need fibre. The problem is you can actually provide power on your copper cabling to power the access point, whereas you can't provide power on the fire. So you need a power point. Cool. Um, The other option is to look at a mesh, which actually puts your access point connected to a power point somewhere off in the distance with no actual cable coming into it. Uh, It's like a power cable. Uh, It will actually then relay signals that it collects back to another access point to transmit back into the network. So, So that's what I have at home. I have a mesh network at home. So I've got one access point connected by... Ethernet cable to my router, and the rest of them are just plugged in and talk to each other. It works really well, provided you do a little bit of design around it and realise that clearly I'm doubling my my use of bandwidth or capacity of uh, uh, spectrum, Uh, but you can certainly get good signals in areas where you otherwise would not have anything. So, but if I'm going to run cables, I should run two, right? That's the current way to look at this. Actually, it it is and it isn't. Um, The idea behind running two cables is that you've got a one gig connection into an access point, but because we can get, for example, more than one gig of connections coming into an access point, clearly I want to have two cables to be able to bond them together and make two gigabits per second. Yep. 
but that's actually getting um, to the point now where we can run 2.5 gigabits per second on one cable. We can run 5 gigabits per second on one cable with the right switch at the other end. Sure. Which now gets to the point of where you can get 10 gigabit per second connections going into your access points on the new ones that are coming out. Okay, cool. So the uplink capacity becomes yes. more and more important now. Right? It, that's, it where, that's where that bandwidth you're talking about, 5 gigs, the access point, is really critical. And this is the problem with mobile phone towers, right? They've it only got so much data coming into them. This is the problem. Uh, and this is the whole thing, like what we mentioned before, where you, your connection of a single user to the access point is more than what the backhaul capacity to the actual tower is. You've got to make sure your solution is designed end-to-end. -end. Okay. So, fundamentally, get access points, orient them correctly, connect them the right way. Yes. If it doesn't work, add an access point. That's the easy way to do it, yeah. Cool. Absolutely. Mesh networks can work, but remember you're using capacity. Yes. That's positioning and placement of yeah. your, um, and building if, your Wi-Fi network. And, and your mesh networks, look, if you've got the ability to run an extra Ethernet cable somewhere into the room, like un and through the roof of the building, under the house, whatever it is, it's a lot easier to do that for a better result. Cool. Excellent. Scott, that's been awesome. Um, look at that. We need to talk about um, security on Wi-Fi, but I think we'll do that in the next we, podcast, right? We do. It is a whole Can topic in itself. Yes. Yes, so we should do that. But thank you for being here today, Scott. Really appreciate right. it. Thank you, Nick. Thank, thank you, you for everyone. listening, everyone. If you want to hear about Wi-Fi security, make sure you subscribe down there or on your favorite podcast platform. You can get us on Spotify, iTunes, and almost everywhere else. Um, we're here what? on Facebook, Vim Video and, Recording. And wirelessly. And wirelessly as well. Yes, absolutely. Scott, thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening and watching. Have Th a good day. Thank you, everyone. Cheers. Bye. Bye-bye.